Are you one of those people that asks random questions to the universe or to yourself and you just feel like you can't quite get a clear answer? Or maybe even you continue to find yourself obsessing over the same thing again and again and you can't quite find clarity? Well, I completely relate. (laughs) I do that so often in my life and on what would appear to be such trivial matters, but they seem to really affect the momentum of my life. As a result, I have come up with a podcast called One Together. And One Together is literally going to be your place to go where you can potentially get answers to those questions. If we don't ask the right question that week, all good, write to us and we're going to go out and we are going to seek an answer to that exact question that you're asking. My name is Heather Maltman, and you may have recognized me from random meaningless media stuff that I have fallen into purely out of my own inability to know what I want and where I'm going in this lifetime. And I started this podcast with a group of awesome people purely because we want to remind you that you are not alone in this life, that you are not the only person who's asking really weird questions and not feeling like you're getting an answer. I myself have managed to find myself in some really weird situations like finding love on The Bachelor or working in radio on the Gold Coast or playing small roles in TV shows or traveling around the world at the age of 17 to find out why I've grown up in the life that I've grown up in and trying to figure out whether or not, you know, for example, does my mother really have a mental illness or is what she's saying completely normal? Is it okay to grow up without my father? Can I really push through some really tough times in my life? How am I going to pay for acting school? I know, I'll eat oranges and two-minute noodles. Actually happened. So if you're anything like me, you continue to ask some really weird questions and feel like you're struggling to get answers because maybe you just don't have the resources. So here at the One Together podcast, we are going to spend every week trying to answer some of the most complex questions that we seem to ask ourselves. In saying that, how about we ask a question? Have you ever gone to that place, that really dark place where you feel like you're just not good enough and maybe people don't want you around anymore? Maybe you don't want to exist anymore? Well, that is something that I have asked myself at one point in my life and I managed to come out the other side. And I just thought, surely I can't be the only one that's felt that way. And I just thought, who better to talk to than a man who based his entire charity on that very question, Sam Webb. If you don't know who Sam Webb is, he is the guy that started Livin'. And Livin' was a brand that he came up with after his mate Dwayne tragically took his own life. Sam has been on Survivor, he has been on Neighbours, and he is currently working his ass off over in LA to make it as a well-known actor here in Australia and overseas. He is an awesome man. He is an absolute inspiration. He talks about Me Too movements. He talks about feminine issues. He talks about masculine issues. And he is not afraid to talk about those really deep topics so that you yourself don't feel alone, which completely aligns with what the One Together podcast brand is all about. So before we get stuck in, you just need to listen to the little disclaimer here to make sure that you feel safe in listening to this topic. I'm so glad that you're with us. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Sam Webb and how he pushes through dark times in his own life. The following podcast captures an honest discussion dealing with mental health issues, including but not limited to anxiety, depression and suicide. 
If this content raises concerns for you, please reach out to someone you trust or call Lifeline on 13 11 14. So how is Livin going? Are you still doing all the talks and stuff overseas? It's, yeah, absolutely. Um, Livin's going amazingly well. I couldn't, I wish I had, and I, I say this all the time, I wish I had like a megaphone that would just tell everyone in Australia how much support and it blows my mind every day. Yeah. Do you know what's really funny is before you and even you and I even met in human form or I even knew about you on Survivor because I only watched like maybe one or two episodes of it. I don't watch anything that makes me feel bad about myself physically mm. where I can't do things. You know what I mean? It's very okay. physically uncoordinated. You've seen. Um, I saw people getting around in Brisbane, the Gold Coast, different areas of Sydney with your brand on thinking, what is this? What is this living thing where there's arrows instead of eyes and why is there no G and I don't understand like what this is and everyone was like really obsessed with it and like dudes were like sporting these caps like they were the best thing they'd ever worn in their entire lives and I was like well, what is happening and then when we met and you told me about your brand I was like holy shit I already knew about you before I knew about you so for anyone that doesn't know about you explain the story behind how Livin got started because you are an enigma wrapped in an enigma as far as I'm concerned from the day that we met I've just been like this guy is an incredible human being and he's really doing things to change the lives of young men all around the world. Well, thank you very much for your very kind words, Heather. Well, it's true. Um, and and I, I've got a lot of people to thank for, for living to get to where it is. And I mean, it, it happened off in a, an extremely tragic circumstance. Um, I'll rewind back 2013, the night of September 15, 2013. Um, I was at a party with a good friend by the name of Dwayne Lally and I'll never forget it because it's, it's etched into my memory like it was yesterday and it will be for the rest of my life and um, I was at a party with Dwayne at his house and we're having a hell time it was an amazing time like any party at 25 years of age you're, you're having a good time right yeah. Dwayne uh, just so I could do it somewhat justice which it, it still won't but D Dwayne life of the party very charismatic very outgoing anything he touched generally turned to gold people wanted to be around this sort of guy you know so from an outside looking in, Dwayne had it all. He's extremely talented. Um, he looked like he had his shit together, so to speak. Um, but behind closed doors, I guess Dwayne battled with demons that not many people knew about. Um, and Dwayne and I had a, a very deep conversation the night that he took his life. and. He opened up to me and told me everything about his struggles and I was so caught off guard I didn't see it coming. And really? if you can imagine two dudes for the very first time ever sharing how we both felt in that point of our life and we were both broken dudes. How old were you then? I was 25. Holy shit. Mm. And I didn't ever really shared my experiences with anyone but it was... It was very fascinating, but it was very daunting at the same time to hear what Dwayne, would go, uh, Dwayne had been going through. And I thought having had my own experiences with mental health challenges, having lost people in my direct family to suicide, I thought that I had the answers to everything. I thought I listened as best as I could have, but problem solving Sam kicked in and I'm sitting here trying to give so much advice and you'll be fine. You're, I'll, I'll be here anytime you need a call. You've got an amazing family. You've got a great network of friends that would do anything for you. And there was so much acknowledgement and in agreeance to, to everything that was said. And 
yeah, I mean, Dwayne had reassured me that everything was going to be all right, and he was in the best time. He was in the best place of his life right now, um, personally and professionally. And um, he, I remember his, some of his final words to me was, "Webb, I'm fine." Two words, and um, that were the two probably last two words that really stuck to me and, and my, my thinking and, 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 and him reassuring me, don't worry, Webb, I'll ring you if I'm ever in a bad place. If I'm ever suicidal again, I promise you, because I've shared this with you, you're one of very, very few people that even know about the extent of how serious this is. And um, he goes, I'm in a good place now. And if I'm ever, you know, if I'm ever suicidal or if I'm ever going down the rabbit hole, so to speak, I'll make sure I call you. And that was the last time we had a conversation. Dwayne, Dwayne had went missing from the party not so long after we spoke. And um, yeah, the, the, the worst news you could possibly imagine came through. And Dwayne had taken his life that night, probably in the, in the next hour or so after we'd spoke. And what was so confronting was, you know, those two words of I'm fine, I realized that Dwayne's death the ripple effect that his death had on an entire community was life-changing, right? But it was extremely life-changing for me and um, his family and his friends and everyone else. And what I realised for a lot of people, the, the mantra of I'm fine masks insurmountable pain. And um, I've said it many times, you know, I'm fine, but deep down you're not fine, you know? It's like a, it's a rhetorical question human beings ask these days without actually really wanting the answer. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, when, when's a project due? Or what are we doing today? Like, what are we doing for dinner? Or it's 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 just a. It's really a nothing question. Mm. There's no real intent to listen behind that question. So that's something that I explore on a daily basis right now with my own life, but also other people. And um, living took off ever since Dwayne's death. I mean, um, Dwayne definitely wouldn't have wanted his death carried in vain by any means so we started living in my kitchen in Burley Waters on the Gold Coast when I lived up there and um, I remember making tank tops um, and t-shirts which we sold at like a, a charity fight night that one of the boys had put his hand up to raise money for suicide prevention. So was we the team of boys that knew him like your mates that were best mates with him? Yeah yeah, yeah. so um, yeah so everyone was and a very close-knit community, but everyone sort of come from their own walks of life and we all knew each other sort of thing. And um, Casey and I started living in, in my kitchen and, and there was no looking back. It was just, it was a passion project and we were flicking shirts and raising awareness and not sure what to do and we are just, just winging it. Yeah. And I, I had my, I, I, at the time I actually worked at um, Southern Cross Osteria hey. uh, radio station and one thing led to the next and, and then we sort of identified that there's so many great organisations in the mental health space doing so many amazing things, but there was one thing missing and I think it was the, the mental health space is very taboo, it's very dark, people don't really like to acknowledge or talk about it. So we wanted to try and bring something fresh and relatable to the space um, and try and complement what was already available. So we started living and um, everything around living is breaking the stigma on mental health through cool initiatives and a movement. and. One thing we didn't have at school growing up was education, really basic education around mental health. and Especially young men. Especially young men, but even young women. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But at least with young women, I feel like we're raised to have permission to be emotional. We're given permission to acknowledge that we're feeling something. Whereas, you know, because I've started working with young men as well, as you know, and I've started doing a few workshops here and there just purely because people asked me to and I was like, mm, I don't know why, but sure. Um, and whenever I've met with them, 
I'm always met with the same reaction from young men. When you ask them, how are you feeling? That very question you're talking about, or are you okay? Or what's going on with you today? Or how are you? Or anything, you're always met with the same answer. I don't know. I don't know. And I soon discovered that I don't know was this answer that young men had created. And tell me if I'm wrong, you're a dude. It was like they'd created this answer because it was easier than trying to decipher what was going on for them because there were no words to explain it because they hadn't been taught those words yet. Whereas young women, we're taught from a very young age what our feelings are. We're taught what we're cry- why we're crying, what crying is, why it happens. We're taught you know, what love is and what love means and how to nurture and how to do all these things. Whereas I found all the young men in my life were just taught, boys don't cry, don't be emotional, suck it up and be a man. I mean, hearing you talk about what you do with kids and things like that, it's like, do you use or do you open up about your story first and what happened with yourself and Casey and all your mates and Dwayne? Or when you're approaching young teenagers and, you know, obviously tweens as well, I know you work with them as well. Like, what's your approach? Like, how do you, how do you get there and get them to a point where they feel like they're comfortable enough to speak, like really speak, as you're saying? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think um, there's a myriad of answers, but it's and it can be kind of complex at times, and it really depends on how open you are. I think if one thing I've noticed over the past few years is if you're if you're feeling okay with being open and vulnerable, mm. you're giving com- uh, power and permission to someone else to be open and vulnerable too. So automatically builds trust um, within yourself and and other people if they hear some of your real struggles like, and your, your, your vulnerabilities, it gives them permission to go, okay, well, they've been really open and this now is, it's almost like the barrier of judgment and expectations of what it is, especially to be a man, are all broken down when you can be vulnerable. And if you can really articulate your feelings and emotions, I think that's, that's a really powerful way to be because emotional intelligence is... It's very important in life, in relationships, in partnerships, in love, in everything. Mm. I think if it, and, and you only get better at it, exploring them. And it's just a lot of judgment around um, what are people going to think if I open up and share? What, what are they going to say if I said I'm depressed? Or what are they going to, what are their first reactions? And there's so many, there's so much good work getting done in this space right now. And it, all it takes is one one comment like harden up or get over it or don't worry man you're not you're not alone there's people in third world countries that they don't complain you mm-hmm. know like it's some of the it's very hurtful that stuff you don't say that to someone that's struggling because it just shows that you you're another person that doesn't understand you're another person that is ignorant mm. and people don't mean it though it's just there's lack of education out there so i feel if we can go and educate young people from a young age that it's okay to speak up, seek help, encourage help seeking, encourage help giving. Mm-hmm. You're giving people the power for it to be normalized. So when they grow up, they get to teach their young people. Because mm. what you said so right, like when it, like a young, young male grows up, they're told, why are you crying? And masculinity is a big topic that I, f- I feel underlines this whole area, especially for men. Mm. Because... We're told to suck it up, to get over it, to put on, you know, to have the answers, to problem solve, to always be the winners in the family and the household and to be the strong, dominant ones. We're, so whenever we're, we're dealt with life challenges and problems, it's like we just 
they just drop into us and we just throw them away. But they never, they never get thrown away. They sit in there somewhere. Yeah, you just bury it deep, deep down. Bury it down until you turn it into a lovely little cancer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and then at some stage, it it it, it erupts. It, it always mm. has to. You can't, you cannot bury something permanently. So that that's just part of it. But I mean, um, what it is to be a man, I think, is 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 a massive contributing factor to stigma. It's hard for you and I because we're in our we're in our time right now. Like I feel like there'd be so many women and men in their eighties or nineties that would look at our generation and go, Oh my day, it wasn't like that and you're so lucky and or they'd be like, Wow, finally that's changing, whatever. So for you and I it's kinda hard because we've only got what we're going through now to go on. But looking at things like Me Too movements, I guess the changes that are happening between the two sexes whereby women are starting to want more of a voice. As a man who is so enlightened, and you are, you're an incredibly enlightened man. You are the guy that is gonna change the lives of the women to come, just because you are there every day helping young men open up. And I guess what I'm asking for is a snippet of Sam Webb wisdom that you can impart on other young men to help them learn and understand and listen to what us women are trying to say? For a male example, Mm -hmm. um, from a male perspective, I think that it all starts from within themselves first. I think if they've given themselves the power and the the platform and the permission to be vulnerable and to have been heard and to be open, they're gonna be able to reciprocate that a lot easier for, for, for a female counterpart. And I think there's just gonna be a positive flow and effect to other areas of, um, you've got to give people the right space, respect, all these other, there's just, it's a very complex, what, what you're discussing is extremely complex. 100%. But, but I, I, I really do believe that to be able to practice it, you need to preach it. So if, if, a, if a male is going to be there for a female and they're going to be able to give them the space and give them the time to be able to explore uh, emotions, vulnerabilities and just check and, and all that good stuff. And um, I, I, I feel it has to start from within them as well because if they don't understand it themselves, they're never going to understand it. And like you said, they're going to say that they're there for you and they're listening, but they're probably really not. They're trying to fix everything and they're trying to be the dominant ones because that's what males think the answer is, to have the answers to everything, to be the one that picks up everyone and, and is the breadwinner. But it's not, it's not the case. Male or female, it doesn't really matter. I think everyone's, it's very equal, it has to be equal. And I think it all starts from within. You have to be vulnerable yourself and understand the emotional intelligence to an nth degree to be able to understand it and support someone else. What would be a way that women could potentially change the way we're doing it? Because I look in the media and I sometimes cringe at the way women are trying to get this message across. And I'm like, oh, let's just, let's just pull it back from the bashing of the men, yeah? Maybe we're too busy beating over the head when what we need to be doing is asking the question, why do you find it so hard to just hear that we're hurting? Why do you find it so hard to tell us what's going on on your end? Yeah, but don't, don't my, my, well, most females, don't they want a dude that can fix everything? I see that, I think it's a double-edged sword and I feel yeah. like if, if a dude feels like he has to always problem solve and always be the fixer and mm-hmm. breadwinner and make sure he's strong and powerful and protective, which is all cool, the females, the females of, or the women's, or, uh, the women's obviously got a, an input in that because they yeah. obviously like that. They feel secured. They want to be 
They want to have someone that's strong. They probably want someone that's very like, nah, I'm right all the time, I'm perfect. And I think that's aiding and abetting the stigma. I think that's a big part of masculinity as well. And I think females play a massive, a massive role in help releasing the burden that males feel like they have to live up to this perfect image of being strong and tough all the time. I think they've, they've got a massive part to play in it. I completely agree with you. Which I feel like made a lot of feminists just now burn their bras at me. Like, fuck you, Heather. But, but you know what I mean? Like, there, there are a lot of girls that I know that... Oh, yeah, there's heaps they, of girls they, in they my friendship group. They love vulnerability. They love seeing a male that's open and honest and transparent and, and that can be yeah. weak and, and not have the answers to everything. And I, I respect that because I, I've, I've come from having trying to have the answers, thinking that's the best way to live, mm. to try and problem solve all the time, to hide my emotions, bury my pain. Yeah. mask my, my struggles and my the darkest memories ever to, to being really open and honest. And there are people that like you for that and there are people that don't like you for that. And what I say to that is you can't be everyone's cup of tea. Not everyone's going to like you mm. for who you are. So you just got to play to your strengths, do what you do best and be true to who you are. And then if people pick up and stay with you, they'll stay. And if people want to leave, they're going to leave. They're not good for you anyway. I, gotta, I practice what I preach. So part of our movement with living is it ain't weak to speak and... If I'm if I'm if I'm out there not doing what I'm practicing and, and mm. preaching, it doesn't it, it's it's not authentic. And I, I actually enjoy doing it though. And the amount of times I hear, especially girls, this is so refreshing. Like I never meet guys that are so open. Like it's just like really. Anyway, yeah. so it's obviously it's um, yeah, which is fine by me. And, and and again, if people like it, they like it. If they don't like it, I'm not. It's you do you, man. I'm doing me. Mm. And if I can aspire and motivate people along the way to, to articulate how they're feeling and navigate through these waters, let's do it. If not, look, no hard, no hard, no harm, like no hard feelings or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but I've just dealt with trauma in a very different way. I used to try and bury things, and these days I try and you got to try and befriend them. And there's always something. And as bad as it sounds, there's always something positive that comes out of something so bad. I really All like that. So you mean like befriend the trauma that you're going through, yeah, like yeah, become yeah. friends with that Absolutely. feeling. So as opposed to fearing it or hating mm. it or being frustrated that you're feeling it or sad that you're feeling it, instead just not work necessarily. with it. Yeah, Try not, and work with it. And it sounds like, mm. like how the hell would you work with something that's such a bad thing, like loss or something like that? But there are always ways you can channel it into something else. Maybe it's into the creative world. Maybe it's into building a movement. You know, there's mm -hmm. always something positive out of something negative. There always is. And there's always something negative out of something positive if you want to look at the negative. But anyway. Have you ever found, speaking of that pendulum swing, have you ever caught yourself out thinking, I'm doing this really positively right now, I'm really getting there, and then gotten to the other side and realised, oh, that wasn't having as, mo as the most positive effect on my life as I thought? Have you ever had one of those moments? How do you manage to keep yourself so on, on track? Because it's a tough question. And is it? No, it's, it's a good question. Like, I mean, I, I always, no one's life is perfect. Everyone's on a, on a mm. continuum and it changes forever. Good, bad, mediocre, great, exceptionally yeah. very bad, dark, and everything <laughs> in between. And that's cool. But, but, but some people can't come back from those as easy as others. Yeah. Um, there is no better learning experience than having experienced it. Um, you can teach someone books. You can read books as much as you want. But if you haven't experienced it in your life, it's, it's not going to stick as much. It's not going to be as meaningful. And there's been times, like I used to always try and be positive about everything. And I'm still very positive. But sometimes shit sucks. Yeah. And you've just got to admit that. And say, look, it's just not working anymore. And, I, and this is something I've actually been, been acknowledging in the last probably 24 months. 
I used to always positive, like nothing's negative, like block it out, block it out, block it out. But you know, when next, something bad happens, I'll just go, you know, that was shit. Mm. And then let, let's go back, let's go back and focus. And, and what's something, if something bad happened or I've experienced something bad, I grab that as best as I can and go, how can I change that so it doesn't happen again? How can I utilize that to the best possible area in my life that's gonna project it forward? If that makes sense. It does. It's, 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 it's something, might, it might not make sense, but. No, it does. In I my mind like, it does. Yeah, no, I, I, I practice that all the time, I feel like. If a lot more people did, they'd find themselves less stuck. My definition of being stuck or I don't know what to do or I don't know how to make it better or it just keeps getting worse. To me, the definition of, of that feeling or that moment in your life is the choice to give up and go, oh, it's too hard or, oh, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? The minute you get into that headspace, you're never going to find the beauty of, of a moment that's gotten hard or find a way through those positive or negative moments because, like... I completely agree with you. You can hit the most peak moment in your life. Things can be just, you're fucking killing it. On you're point, like, yeah. it's how you deal with those moments that matters. So like, I, I found myself getting so lost in this idea of who I was. I'm the Gold Coast radio girl who's killing it. And she's on a billboard and I'm in a full-time job. And then like after about six months, I got a smack in the face with you know, the boys and I were struggling. The The radio show needed certain things. We were finding it hard to make our content work. And then my dating life fucking sucked. And I didn't want to do it anymore, which you and I had spoken about on many occasions. And then you can start to buy into these ideas that everyone fills your head with and lose yourself to that moment, which is part of the reason why I actually started this podcast in the first place. Yeah, interesting. So what you're saying is you essentially become a I think I just recently did a post about this actually, because you're not everyone's cup of tea. No one's everyone's cup of tea, but you don't want to be the person that you imagine others to see you as. Yeah. And you paint yourself as this character, so to speak, that you step into every day and it's not really you, because there's nothing yeah. more exhausting than that. 100%. Because when you go back to your own room or to your own place or your own safe haven or sanctuary, there's nothing more, there's nothing more isolating, I don't think, and nothing more lonelier is that a, that's the word um, yeah, that'll do. um there's, there's, I don't think you feel more alone if you live living a life like that because I've, I've lived yeah. like that in the past yeah yeah what were your ways of um I guess waking up to it because my big smack in the face was getting to a point where I was unhappy at work the boys were unhappy with working with me and um just my relationship was starting to fall apart and I was like how do I change this and then I was like fuck it, I'm just going to find a way to make it work for me. And started talking to people like yourself, people who inspire me, people who could potentially inspire others so that they can then use this podcast as a way to lift themselves out of that hole. And I'd love to know from you, how do, how do you get yourself out of that headspace? What are your ways? Are you a walker? Are you an exerciser? Are you a meditation? Are there, do you have like some crazy awesome mantra where you're like, I am the holy Jesus and I love to walk on grass barefoot. Like what's your jam? What yeah, do you okay. do? This, this is a really good question and it's one I, I want to be mindful to all the listeners. It's It might not work for everyone. Okay. It's not a one size fits all, unfortunately. And if it was, uh, I don't think there'd be as many wellness retreats and centers and organizations and mm -hmm. mental health, you know, all these organizations that exist. Psychiatrists would run out of money. Correct, yeah. Sure. My personal mantra is I'm a student of life. Damn, that's good. It is good, isn't it? That's good. <laughs> You're like, isn't it? <laughs> but it is. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful about that because I'll never know everything about anything. I'm, I'm going to make some fucking bad mistakes in life, and I yeah. still do. Um, I say things that sometimes I go, why did they say that? Or why did they do that? And 
that's all right. I've said it. I can't go back and change that. Um, life's, and, and I'm just laying a foundation here, but life's never always perfect. It's not perfect for me. It might look great from the outside in, but I have my, my own challenges every day. Um, and that's, I, I love challenges. Like, I thrive off challenges. Were you always like that, though? Yeah. I've you always, always loved a challenge. challenge? Yeah, I have. I really have. I love, you know, nothing's more, as much as I, I don't want to be a broken man, I mean, if I am ever in that situation again where I'm broken, it, it inspires me because I, I like coming back from the darkest of dark places you can possibly imagine. And um, it all comes down to your emotional intelligence, I think. Mm-hmm. And you can run, you can meditate, you can walk, you can read books. All this is really good stuff, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, you are the only person that you've got when it's all said and done. And as dark as things get, you might have an army around you that want to help you live, but um, you have to take full responsibility for your own life and you have to put your hand up and, and, and navigate around those challenges in your life and work through them and work with them, not against them. Um, for me, I, yeah, probably long story short, I, I, I do a lot of training. I, I just like training. I like keeping fit. I like eating. I've changed my entire life. My whole life's changed ever since I went pescatarian. You pescatarian? Yeah. Only eating the fishies? Yeah. Gee, sorry, guys. I mean, we are on the harbour right now. It's a bit daunting for them. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. but I, 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 my whole life has changed. Absolutely. My way of thinking, my memories serve me 10 times better. My sleeps are better. My, my, mem- my mental health is better. Really? My, my, my emotional health. Yeah, ev- everything's just much better. I'm, I'm more on point. I think diet, diets and, and, and how you, what you put into your body, and, and it might sound cliche, but it, it makes a massive difference. And mm. it's so underutilized, it really is. But definitely, I have my own self, self-care uh, mechanisms in place. It's not selfish, I look after myself before I look after anyone else. Um, mm. And that took me probably 28 years to learn. You know, that's suddenly something, something in the past couple of years that I've sort of put on the front foot because you can help people more, you can love people more, you can be more to them if you do all of that for yourself first. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, you're not gonna be any good to anyone else. I look back the night Dwayne took his life and I was in the worst place, one of the darkest places of my life. Why? I was just in a really bad place. I, just a, a myriad of things, relationship. I, I was diagnosed with mental health challenges for, for, for many years and no one really knew my struggles. And that night sort of opened up this whole world that I'd sort of been burying for, for the better part of maybe eight to 10 years of my own life. and. Um, I wasn't looking after myself. And then, so was the advice that I was giving Dwayne, was, was I listening as well as I could have? Probably not. You know, when you can't look after yourself, you can't look after anyone else probably. So I put everything down to that. That's why I'm a big advocate for self-care is number one care. And I'll always be a student of life and I'll always make mistakes. I'll always be learning. No one knows everything about anything. And that's fine. That's cool. I like that. I think it's a good way to live. Very open-minded. Hey, this is a quick break. It'll only take a minute to tell you who has actually helped get this podcast into your ears today. If you're anything like me, you are super mental health conscious, right? And therefore, you're maybe not a big drinker. I don't take drugs and I barely even touch Panadol if I can help it. So for the last few years, I've not been able to drink. So as soon as I have a glass of wine, I actually get these horrific migraines that are so bad. I feel like my brains are exploding. It's like... (laughs) 
Actually, that was a pretty good sound effect. I'm proud of that. Basically, I found these guys called Body Armor. And no joke, this stuff was probably made by garden pixies or scientists. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Actually, it is listed with the ARTG and pregnant women take it for nausea. Get it from bodyarmor.com.au or use their store locator online. Basically, you drink it before you drank it and it protects your liver. So get around that. I sounded so popular just now. Boom, just get it. It's good stuff. The One Together podcast makes sure that everything that we endorse is something that we actually believe in. So after those awesome messages, how about we get back into the chat? How do you move on from losing someone in that way? You also say that you've lost some family as well to a Mm. similar thing, which we've talked about. But what, I mean, I, I look at people in the public eye that have taken their life and the family members around them, and I just see this soul crushing moment for them. And my brain just wonders, like, how? How, how do you move forward? How? It's a, gr- it's a good question. Um, uh, for, for me, personally, I think it's, it's trying to channel all the great memories that I have um, with Dwayne in particular uh, through an organisation that we're making a difference. Yeah, I'll always uh, reminisce and reflect and... I'm forever telling the story over and over again. So it can be quite challenging. That's why it's good to look after yourself. And you'll never fully recover from it. It's something that you just got to learn to deal with. Um, but yeah, you, if, again, this is, it's, important, it's really important to channel it into the right areas in your own life so it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. I might ask you a time. bit of advice, actually. I had a young girl in one of my workshops once come to me and tell me that she was having suicidal thoughts. And she said to me that the only reason why she hadn't done it so far is because everyone kept telling her how selfish it was and that she was a bad person and all these sort of things. And I said to her, look, at the end of the day, it's your life and you've got to do what you feel is right for you. I don't want you to die. I think you're awesome. I think you're a great chick. And I said to her, you've got to remember that there is a transference of pain. So while you may end your life and feel like the pain has ended for you, you're then transferring that pain onto the people around you because they're going to miss you. They're going to love you. They're going to wonder why. They're going to wonder how could I have changed it? What could I have done better? How could I have been there for you more? What did I miss? What didn't I see? What did they need? And it is going to be something that they will carry for the rest of their life. They will never move on from it the rest of their life. Would you say that what I said to her was accurate in some way for from the perspective of someone who is the friend or family member that's dealt with it, is that the best way to describe to anyone who is feeling that way, that's what you're leaving behind. That's the legacy you're leaving behind is someone who will, you may not be in pain anymore, but you're transferring that pain onto so many other people around you. They, they will live with that. I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think, again... And, and you're welcome to give me better advice, like yeah, yeah, how I, th- I can attempt it better next time. Yeah, well. absolutely. And, and again, as I'm learning right now, being on this podcast with you, Heather, um, I'm learning, and that's what I love about life. But I don't... I don't um, I'm not a professional, ment- uh, a qualified mental health professional, so to speak, but I've done mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of research. I work alongside a lot of consultants and in this space. And so many people look for problem solving. Mm. Something that I did the night Dwayne died, and... Just listen, because people don't even want you to speak sometimes. They just want you just to listen, because so many people try and problem solve for them. Um, wow. And we can sit there and we can say all these things and you know, transfer the pain. And that, you know, 
you said it in the moment of time, given the information that you had, so that's cool. You can't go back and change that anyway, so that's hearsay. Um, my biggest advice is if anyone's listening to this or if they're struggling or they know someone that's struggling, don't be afraid to ask the hard-hitting questions and getting those hard answers. Like what? Like I'm suicidal or I want to take my life. Just being with someone in their presence and listening to them, open up and share with you how they're feeling, goes a long way to f for someone to feel like they're cared for. Because if someone actually listens non-judgmentally, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole different feeling. It's like they're actually properly listening. Like they're not trying to jump in, they're not trying to tell me that you're gonna be, you know, get help and do this and do that and support out there because they've probably heard all that anyway before. Um, people know there's help out there. It's not that they don't, they don't know there's help out there. It's just when you're in such a dark place and you are suicidal, the pain overweighs anything from family to what people are gonna feel when you're gone. You're doing them a favor. That's basically how it feels. So, I mean, um, and I can take first-hand experience here. A friend of mine tried to take his life and uh, an unsuccessful suicide attempt, and he said the moment my hands left the railing when he jumped was instant regret. Oh, and, and that's stuck with me forever. And um, not long ago, I was in a hospital up in, up in Queensland visiting a friend who'd tried to take his life, and he goes, I didn't think anyone cared about me, but I was very wrong. Hundreds of people come and visit him at the hospital. So why didn't you reach out and tell me? So there's so many different things, but to the lay person, just listen. Listen non-judgmentally, be open, and just be there for someone. And if you're going to tell them you're going to be there, just be there for them. Um, whether it's a new friend, whether it's an old friend, whether it's someone on the other end of the telephone, there's someone that can help you live, and there's someone that can help you stay. And in two months from now, whether it's a year from now, like your friend, whether it's five years from now, you'll look back and you'll be so fucking grateful that you didn't take your life. Because mm. life can change in a split second. Yeah, and then dark times I've had, and I look back and reflect going, I'm so glad I didn't make some of those decisions I had in my mind. Yeah. Because I wouldn't have been where I am today. You think you're doing, you think you're doing everyone a massive, massive favor because you just feel like you're in the way. There's mm. this, just this horrible feeling of, I'm in the way, I'm just causing problems. And it was just after, so I, you know, my mum has a mental health issue and I, I talk about it very openly on this podcast. Um, she was just about to have another mental episode. My father had just passed away from pancreatic cancer after I'd only known him for like five years. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. And I was dating someone who had absolutely no idea how to be there for me, the poor guy. He was so stuck. And I'll never forget, I woke up one night at about 12 o'clock at night. I've been crying in bed and he just slept through the whole thing. So I walked into the kitchen absolutely beside myself because it's not that he didn't care. I think he just, he couldn't deal with it. So he just ignored it. And I sat in the kitchen and I stared at the drawer full of sharp knives. And I just remember thinking, fuck, it'd be so easy. It'd be so easy just to do that. And then he wouldn't have to deal with it anymore. To have that fleeting like that thought just brush across my brain. I was like, fuck, that's... Scary. Uh, really scary. And how easy it would have been to just have taken action. And then, yeah, to, to flip it all around the next day, I was like, wow, this is, this is incredible. And you're right, like when you start to come out of that dark moment and you move back into the light again, you start to realise, wow, like I could, have, I could have ended it that night and I would have missed out on all of these other beautiful things. Like... 
And imagine if I if I ended it that night, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sitting here with you talking about this and connecting in such an incredible way. And I don't know, do you ever get scared of the connection between you and another person when you talk at this level? Like even just now as we're speaking, in my life there's been more loss than there's been connection. I've watched more people walk away than I've watched come into my life and stay in my life, especially the really close people, like the ones that are, you know, the the should ones, the should relationships. You know, your sister should stay in your life. Your father should stay in your life. Your mother should stay in your life. You know, when you meet someone and you fall in love, he should stay in your life, she should stay in your life, whatever. When you have children, they should stay in your life. And it's like all my should relationships that, you know, you base fairy tales on. They're all the ones that have left the most. So then when I connect with someone like yourself where we've had fleeting conversations and we've been we've moved in and out of each other's lives a lot in the last, like, three years, I go, fuck, like, if I connect way too deeply, you could even go. Like, that's, I don't know, but I guess it's part of life. You know, you move in and out of each other's lives. There is no such thing as a should. Yeah, I mean, there, I guess there probably is. I mean... Yeah, the emotional connection stuff I think is so important in life, just in relationships on any level. And mm. it, they're rare, like, it's very rare. But they're, they're the ones that last forever, I feel, you know. A lot of people connect on material things or different interests or same interests or different career opportunities or whatever it is. But not a lot of people actually connect on an emotional level. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. But I think when you do connect on an emotional level, it, it's so powerful. I reckon it's like an atomic bomb goes off. Yeah, it's something that not many people experience. The ground just suddenly moves and there's just big cloud goes up and I think that's the only way I could like describe it in a really visceral kind of way. Mm. When you really genuinely connect with someone on a real level, it actually, like it feels like those images of bombs going off for the first time, the earth kind of shakes and it's like this really full on moment. It's like superpowers. <laughs> Sounds like an orgasm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> same, same, but different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that story with, with, um, with me. Because um, I haven't heard that story from you yet, Heather. No, I haven't told you that So one. I appreciate you, yeah, b- you dropping those barriers and being so open with me. <laughs> I must have made you feel comfortable. Because <laughs> I was only mucking around with everything else. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, that's oh. cool. That's cool. But, yeah, absolutely. And, and anyone out there that's struggling, I mean, times definitely change. And life, you know, life changes all the time. And it only can take one small positive thing and your whole mindset will just change. And I get the whole fact that when you're you're suicidal, and I don't know, I'm not going to sit here and say I know exactly how everyone feels because I don't know how everyone feels. I might have an idea. No one knows exactly how someone Mm. else feels because you're not them. You're not them. And you never Um, will be, so don't try to be. No, so, but I can somewhat understand. I mean, part of that pain is so excruciating. You just try to end it right now, but not knowing that ending that pain is going to end your life. You know, it's, there are, there are better solutions out there. And we'd love to help. I think, I think finding a therapist, one that suits you, is the most important thing. Because so many people I hear give up after they go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or even just a counsellor or a life coach, whatever it is. Mm. Doctor, whoever it is. A mentor. If you don't feel that connection, just tell them. They'll be happy to help you find someone else. But yeah, like psychotherapy, that one I really love. And with the right person is unreal. Because with psychotherapy, I found they, they delved into 
why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's the thing that does my head in. Like, I always want to know why. I want to know why I'm behaving the way I'm behaving. I want to know what pattern it is that I've created from a young kid to get where I am today. Because when I break the pattern, I usually break whatever negative shit that's going on in my head that's making me do it again and again. Mm, interesting. So. And, I, and, and, and I might, like, uh, to compliment that point, I'd, I'd recommend people, like, I still speak to people. And those people, again, they don't have to be, prof- like, just people. I still speak to people when I'm, I'm at my prime because mm. it's so good. 100%. You don't stop going for a run or to the gym just because you can do 10 push-ups and 20 sit-ups, whatever it is. Oh, really? You keep going. Do I have to go back? Yeah, you've got to keep going back, Heather. <laughs> Heather. Um, Heather. <laughs> um, you've got to keep going back. But um, it's the same thing. Like I feel like when you're in your prime, there's always something else you can learn mm. and there's always something else that you can discover. Do you know who had a really great, great mantra was um, Michael Jordan? He always said that he didn't look to anyone else to be like his level of what he wanted to achieve. He never looked at any other basketball players and went, oh, I want to be like that guy or oh, I want to be like that girl or whatever. Instead, he looked at himself and went, what is the absolute best I can be? And then he beat it. Yeah. And he'd always try and beat it. That sounds dirty, but truthful. That's good. I like <laughs> that. It's, it's, it's inspiring. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I try to live my life sort of similar to that in some way. It gets hard sometimes because then you're like, oh, I'm not good enough for myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but you got you got to set realistic expectations. It's all about having a good life mm. um, and being true to who you are as a person. So many years, I mean, expect, I think society these days, you just grow up not being your true self because you're trying to fit in with society and do what society thinks you should be doing. Be married at 28, have kids, have a family. Uh, have a career, own two houses, have all this stuff going, but fuck that. Mm. You know, you create your own life, you create your own opportunities. And if, if at 30, 35, you're still single and you don't have a family or you don't have that house, who gives a fuck? <laughs> just go and enjoy it. Like, I, I um, yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I just think you should never be on anyone else's schedule. You gotta just create your own opportunities and live life how you should live it because it's too fast to, to just do what everyone else says you should be doing. What an amazing person. That was Sam Webb. I really hope you enjoyed what he had to talk about in terms of relationships and teen mental health and adult mental health. If you would like to stay in touch with Sam Webb, please follow him on social media. He's an awesome person. He's very inspirational. His handle is Sam Webb with a double B. So that's S-A-M-W-E-B-B. Or you can head to the Livin' Org Instagram page, which is L-I-V-I-N-O-R-G, and the website is exactly the same. That's livin.org. Make sure you follow Sam Webb's acting career as well. The guy's really good at what he does, and, you know, he's the kind of dude that he just throws himself into it. He doesn't care. He's just going to give it a crack. Next week, we've got an amazing podcast coming up for you, so make sure you keep following us on all social media, which is basically my social media, which is Heather Maltman. That's H-E-A-T-H-E-R-M-A-L-T-M-A-N, like the drink and the man, Maltman, kind of like a superhero. Otherwise, you can jump on our website, which is onetogetherpodcast.com, where we share all of the references and information that our guests bring us. Please also send us an email onetogetherpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feelings or maybe there's a story that you want to share or maybe you feel like you have an answer to a question that maybe we haven't asked yet. So we want to hear from you. That's the One Together Podcast reminding you that one is in fact not the loneliest number because now there's you and there's me and that guy, Peter. You know who you are. Jane.
Sarah. I'm going to stop saying names now. See you next week. Massive thank you to Cell, Miles, and all the team at Hype Group. This is a business that leveraged high-quality content on digital channels and marketing to create relevant hype. Basically, if you have a business that needs leveraging high-quality content like One Together Podcast did, then these are the guys to see. They did all of our logos and they're awesome. So here at the One Together Podcast, we love them. They rule. Head to their website, hypegroup.co, info at hypegroup.co, or their number is 0407-596-598. And we will catch you around like a donut.